Hello, hello there. This is your friend, Pastor Josh, welcoming you to another episode, at this time entitled, Why You Cannot Afford to Grieve the Holy Spirit. Listen, learn, live, grow, walk in victory. God bless you as you have a listen. So our text today is is Ephesians chapter number 4, verse 30, and it reads, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Why you cannot afford to grieve the Holy Spirit. My dear friends, I'm sure most of you know that before the Lord Jesus returned to the Father's right hand in glory, he devoted time to introduce someone, someone special to the disciples. Can you guess who that was? Who was it? This person. And he said, he's indispensable to your lives. I want you to know that before I go, you will need this person. He is your greatest advantage. He will lead you into all truth. He'll be your teacher. He'll be your inner mentor. He will guide you. He will interpret things. Even when you you face challenges that you cannot handle, Jesus said, you can rely on this person to give you answers. He can give you answers on your feet. In fact, Jesus said, don't you dare go out into ministry. I know I've been teaching you. I've been training you. I've been mentoring you for the last three years. Don't you dare go out there without this person called the Paracletos. Jesus also called him the spirit of truth. My friends, Jesus had two basic reasons for doing that. The first is that he himself was speaking from first-hand experience. And I'd like us to dive into that for a few moments. Jesus himself, though he was son of God, but his whole life was defined, revolved around, was motivated by, inspired, supported, led by the Holy Spirit. This is a secret, my dear brothers and sisters, that many earnest Christians don't readily realize. Jesus himself, his whole life, his whole ministry on earth was defined by the Holy Spirit. Can I just give you just a few quick examples? Say amen if you're with me. Dear friends, the Lord Jesus, even before his birth, do you recall that even his very conception, hello, was by means of the Holy Spirit? Check out Luke 1 and verse 35. The angel Gabriel visits Mary, this young lady, and says, you're going to be overshadowed by the Holy Spirit. So the very conception of the Messiah before he was even born, the Holy Spirit was involved. So right from his birth, fast forward to his baptism. What happened at his baptism? As he came out of the water, the Bible records that the Holy Spirit descended upon him in the form of a dove. The Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus before he started ministry, before he preached his first sermon. And that symbolism of the dove is very instructive. That symbol 
is a an indication of something about the nature of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit hovered right in the beginning. The Holy Spirit was involved in creation. And so that's why the bird symbol, the symbol of the dove is very significant. I do not have time to dive deeper into it, but it is significant that Jesus, as he's baptized, as he comes out of water, the Holy Spirit descends upon him in the form of a dove. We are talking here, my friends, about how Jesus himself had a first-hand experience with the role of the Holy Spirit, not only in creation, but also right as he begins his own ministry. And I want to say to someone, maybe you're contemplating going into ministry. Maybe you're already involved in ministry one way or another. I beg you by the mercies of God, don't you dare start without the dove. Remember what happened, another quick example. Remember what happens in Noah's flood. Several months after Noah's flood, uh, Noah and the people were still stuck in the ark because the whole land was still wet and muddy, so it was not habitable. And so what happened? Only when the dove came, bearing an olive branch on its beak, did Noah and the inhabitants of the ark know that it was now safe to go out there into the world. Hallelujah. But the ravens had gone and did not come back because they were busy enjoying the filth on the earth, but not so the dove. The dove is a smart bird. And so that's an allusion to uh, the role of the Holy Spirit. So when he comes upon you, oh, you don't tolerate nonsense. So my friends, I was trying to show you that the uh, Lord Jesus had a firsthand experience with the Holy Spirit, not only at his conception, but also at his baptism. And God announces when the Spirit has come upon him, only then does the Father announce, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear him. You and I have no right to be heard until the Spirit is upon us. Otherwise, we'll be speaking out of our flesh. Then going on with the examples in the Lord Jesus' life. Straight after that, after that baptism, check out Matthew 4 from verse 1. The Bible says, he was then led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness where he spent a season of prayer and fasting and testing, temptation. He was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. His fasting was led by the Spirit. That's significant. Jesus did not just fast. He was led even into his fasting. And he never faced any trials. He never faced any problems without the aid, the support of the Holy Spirit. Check out also Luke 4.18. What does Jesus say? He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to bring the good news to the poor, to set captives free, to announce the jubilee of the Lord. Oh, hang on. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. So Jesus is saying the ministry that I'm doing is purely because of the anointing, because of the spirit of God that's upon me. By the way, that is another symbol. Anointing means oil. Oil stands for the Holy Spirit. Why? Oil lubricates. Hallelujah. Oh, my dear friends, can I say to you, don't you dare go out into ministry without the oil of the Holy Spirit upon your life. You know, there is a lot of friction in the church because we lack the oil. There's a lot of friction in our relationships because the anointing of the Holy Spirit is lacking. But Jesus did not go into ministry without the oil. Oh, may your life also experience the lubrication of the Holy Spirit. 
The third metaphor of the Holy Spirit that we see in the life of the Lord Jesus is the cloud. I'll just give one example in the interest of time. But you look in the story of the transfiguration that the Bible shares that the, the cloud, the Shekinah glory appeared that represents the Holy Spirit. Amen. You know in the Old Testament that in the, as, as the people of God journeyed through the wilderness, they were led by a cloud, they, the cover of the cloud above them during the day and a pillar of fire by night. As the church, the New Testament people of God, we should also be under the, the cloud of the Holy Spirit. Can I ask you, my dear friends, are you moving with the cloud? The people in the wilderness never dared to move before the cloud moved. They stayed under the cover of the cloud. They kept in step with the movement of the cloud. If the cloud stayed in one place, they remained in that same place. Can I ask you, are you moving with the cloud or are you preempting the Holy Spirit? So many Christians have become so smart that they preempt the move of the Holy Spirit. And this is something that I've come to know as a minister, that sometimes even in our churches, our members sometimes can be at loggerheads with their leaders because they can be wanting to move faster than what the Holy Spirit is doing and saying in, in that season. The Holy Spirit is saying, stay here, remain in this place. I am still doing something here. I am still working on something here. But sometimes leaders and members alike, we want to preempt. We want to jump the gun. Can I address you by the love of God? Don't jump the gun. Move with the cloud. Move as the Holy Spirit leads. Move with the Spirit. Don't preempt God. Amen. Whatever you're planning, work in sync with the Holy Spirit. Keep in step with the Holy Spirit. That was Jesus' approach. He did not minister. He did not do anything without the Holy Spirit. In one place, and he uses another symbol. This will be the last symbol I'll share with you. In one place, the Lord Jesus says, if I'm doing this by the finger of God, so the symbol that I'm talking about here is the finger of God. Dove, oil, cloud, finger of God. And then he equates that finger of God with the Holy Spirit. When you compare scripture with scripture, you will find that it's consistent even with the teaching of the Old Testament. The finger of God, the hand of God, is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. Oh, may the finger of God be upon your life as well. You see, your fingers are the things that work. Our fingers, our hands, they are, they are, they're able to do the intricate things. They craft. Hallelujah. It's, it's a symbol of the working. You shape things. You write. Hallelujah. With your finger. I believe that the Holy Spirit is writing your script afresh. You may not like how your story has turned out so far. You might be unhappy about where you are right now. I want to say to you, oh, the finger of God is busy at work in your life afresh. He's rewriting your story. Say amen if you're with me. God, oh, the hand of God is busy rewriting your story. That is the role of the Holy Spirit. If you're like me, there are some things in my life I don't like. There are some things in my past. There are some things in my history that I do not like. 
but I welcome the Holy Spirit, hallelujah, who rewrites a new story, who's writing, oh my God, a new script. Praise the Lord. Oh, praise God. Say hallelujah. If you believe that God is rewriting by his Holy Spirit, a new story for you. Oh, the Bible is full of men and women whose trajectories were changed by the Holy Spirit. The Bible is full of boys and girls whose lives were rewritten by the hand of the Holy Spirit. I am reminded of a guy called Saul of Tarsus. He had been persecuting Christians. He was ruthless. He was a mean dude. Oh, but his story was rewritten by the Holy Spirit. And he himself became the author of half of the New Testament. I know a girl called uh, Mary Magdalene. Oh my goodness, that girl was fast. But the Holy Spirit came into her life and rewrote her story. And she became one of the Lord's most trusted disciples. And when you read the New Testament, uh, you will find that she's also numbered among the early disciples that were gathered in the upper room. I could tell you about Levi. I could tell you about Thomas. I could tell you about Simon, who became Peter. People whose lives, whose stories were rewritten by the Holy Spirit. Oh, I have a message for someone by the love of God. God is in the business of rewriting the scripts of our lives. He wants to rewrite your story. Will you let him? Such is the work of the Holy Spirit. You see, my friends, when we are operating in ministry and in life, if we are born again, wherever we go, we are script writers. We are allowing the Holy Spirit to rewrite the story of our family. We are allowing the Holy Spirit to rewrite the story of our workplaces. We are allowing the Holy Spirit to rewrite the story of our business, of our nations. Wherever children of God are, the finger of God is at work. Sinners become saints. The poor become rich. The blind begin to see. Hallelujah. The weak become strong. Hallelujah. Stories are being rewritten because of the Holy Spirit. Praise the name of Jesus. Say hallelujah if you're still with me. Now, here is my question. If Christ, if the life ministry and destiny of Christ in his earthly ministry was completely defined by the Holy Spirit, how about Christians? We are Christians. We are Christians, aren't we? So we must be like Christ. Christ did not dare to operate in his own identity, although he was the son of God. He relied, he intentionally relied on the Holy Spirit. How dare you and I try to live our lives without depending? If we are Christians, if we are Christians, we must do what Christ did. If we are true Christians, we must be Christ-like. Christ completely relied on the Holy Spirit allowed the oil to lubricate his ministry, allowed the cloud of the Spirit to cover his life, never moved without observing the move, never preempted the move of the Holy Spirit, relied on the finger of God, the hand of God, the working of God, the rewriting, the rescripting hand of God, relied on that. And everywhere he was going, he was rewriting destinies. I believe God has called you and me as members of the body of Christ 
to be script writers. We're in the business of helping people rewrite their stories. We don't judge people on the basis of their past because we know they don't have to rely on that old script. What is a sinner? In Pastor Josh's book, a sinner is someone who's still relying on an old script. They're in the wrong stage, on the wrong drama. And God is calling you into a new story. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And that's what we do as the witnesses of God. We are inviting people to experience a new story, to participate in a new drama, a cosmic drama, an eternal drama. That is what we our mission is. Oh my God, I feel the Holy Spirit underlying that. I want to beg you by the mercy of God to depend on the Lord. Depend on the Holy Spirit intentionally. Before you make a major move, consult the Holy Spirit. Before you make any critical decision, consult the Holy Spirit. Before you go for that examination, ask the Holy Spirit to go with you. Before you enter that meeting, ask the Holy Spirit for his guidance and his support. He's the greatest advocate, the greatest legal mind in the whole universe. Amen. Be intentional about your reliance on the Holy Spirit. In the next few minutes, my dear friends, I would like to dwell specifically on the text that we've read, which says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. And I have titled this message today, why you cannot afford to grieve the Holy Spirit. What I've said is the reason. If our whole lives, our whole ministry, if our whole destiny, if our whole impact depends on the support of this greatest mind that is resident in us called the Holy Spirit, if the success of our ministry revolves around this person called the Holy Spirit, surely he is the last person that we want to alienate. Surely he is the last person that we want to grieve. Let's dive a little bit deeper for the next few minutes into what it means to grieve. What are the implications of grieving the Holy Spirit? That language is very intentional, my friends. Did you notice that it's a very personal language? I've alluded to different symbols of the Holy Spirit in my address so far. But Christians run the risk of thinking that the Holy Spirit is something rather than someone. All these other things, the dove, the oil, the finger, the wind, the water, the fire, and so on. These are just symbols that help us to understand dimensions of the Holy Spirit. But never forget, dear saint, that the Holy Spirit is very personal. He's not some immaterial uh, influence. He's not some energy. The Holy Spirit is personal. He's a person. And I want us to dwell on that a little bit. So scripture says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. That's very personal language. It's very emotional language. You see, my friends, you can only grieve, make someone sad, offend. And that's the sense of that word used there for grieve. It's the sense of hurting emotionally someone that is close. It's intimate language. So the Bible is saying the Holy Spirit is that person who is very close to every believer. He's your greatest supporter. He's your inner mentor. He's your greatest solicitor. He's your friend that sticks closer than a brother. He's your closest ally. He's your helper par excellence. He's so close to you. And he is the last person that you want to alienate or to offend or to hurt. 
to wound, to sadden. Our text says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God in whom you are sealed unto the day of redemption. That's very, 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 very powerful language there, my friends. In whom you are sealed. That's very important. You see, my friends, the presence of the Holy Spirit in the believer's life is depicted in this case as the seal. What is a seal? A seal is something, number one, that glues precious contents. Hallelujah. You know, when you write a precious letter, important document, put it in an envelope, and then you seal the envelope. What are you doing? You are saying what is inside this envelope is precious. So you seal it. The Holy Spirit thinks you're special. God thinks you're precious. And so he comes and he protects you. He pro He seals your life. He says, unto the day of redemption. What redemption? The finalization of our salvation. At present, our spirits have been redeemed, but our bodies are still living in this corrupt world. We're still grappling with sin, but there is a day coming when we will be completely redeemed. Even our bodies will no longer suffer illness, sickness, pain, disease. Amen. All these pandemics will be no more. Can I have a witness? That is the day of redemption. That is the conclusion, the consummation of the gospel story. But until that day, believers need a seal. Believers need a protection. And that protection is the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit who seals you. It is the Holy Spirit who says you're precious. And so you're sealed like the way you seal an envelope. But a seal also stands for a stamp meaning approval. It is the Holy Spirit who attests, who confirms with our own spirits that we are approved of God. Some people live their lives doubting whether they are worthy. Some Christians live, live their lives unsure about their worth. But I'm here to tell you today, the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life says, hey, you're approved, you're attested. In some companies, when they select products, you know, the quality control people, they come and put a stamp to say, this is quality. Hallelujah. Or can I say to you, every child of God, under the sound of my voice, the Holy Spirit is in your life as a stamp of approval, as a stamp of attestation, to attest that you're quality. Don't let anybody ever tell you that you're not quality. I'm here to say you're qualitative, you're, you're peculiar, you're royal priesthood, a chosen generation. Hallelujah. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. And that is the work of the Spirit. One thing that the Holy Spirit is busy doing in the life of every genuine believer is to confirm you are precious, you're special, you're worthy. Don't go before God and be saying, I'm not worthy. No, you're contradicting what the Holy Spirit is saying. The Spirit in your heart is always testifying. Oh, we are the children of God. He's crying from within you. Abba, Father, Daddy, Daddy. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Finally, the significance of that seal, that seal also says appropriation. So it's not just approval or attestation or affirmation, but also what? Appropriation, meaning ownership. Praise the Lord. The Holy Spirit is saying, if you're a child of God, you belong to God. The Holy Spirit in your life is announcing that this one here is heaven's property. Oh, you belong to God. 
We used to sing, mine, mine, Jesus is mine. But we want to flip the coin today. The Spirit is often saying to the powers of darkness, mine, mine, this dude is mine. This boy is mine. This girl, that's mine. Hallelujah. Oh, the Bible says the Lord knows those who are his. We are marked with the seal of ownership, of appropriation. Hallelujah. I belong to God. And who does that? It is the Holy Spirit. Amen. And that is why, my dear friends, you and I cannot afford to grieve the Holy Spirit. Because when we grieve him, we are actually grieving ourselves. When we hurt him, we are hurting ourselves. Why? It's like, you know, when you're a married man, hello, or a married woman, the last person that you want to hurt is your spouse because they are there by your side all the time. Singles, please pardon me, but it's just a metaphor, a very important one. If you're married, the last person that you want to hurt is your spouse because he or she is always there by your side when everybody else is not there. They know your pain. They know your joy. They know you intimately. They're always there. And life becomes very uncomfortable if you alienate the closest person to you. Amen. The same applies in families, siblings, families. If you if you're a parent, you know how terrible it is. You know how difficult it is if your relationship with your mom or your dad is estranged. You know how tough that is. You see, my friends, we can only grieve those that are close to us. And when we grieve, when we hurt those that are dear to us, it will cost us. And I'm saying the Holy Spirit is your closest ally. He's your greatest helper. When you hurt him, when you resist him, when you grieve him, when you wound him, you are hurting your own cause. How do we hurt how do we grieve the Holy Spirit when we live in sin? We grieve the Holy Spirit when we think like sinners. We grieve the Holy Spirit when we talk unwholesome language. We grieve the Holy Spirit when we walk in unbelief. We grieve the Holy Spirit when we live in fear. To give just a few examples. My dear friends, I want to end by exhorting everyone under the sound of my voice. The Holy Spirit is your greatest ally intentionally live, walk, trust, believe, consult him. Keep in step with the spirit intentionally. Will you do that? Will you decide also not ever to grieve the Holy Spirit? Now may the love of God the Father, may the grace of our Lord Jesus and the fellowship, the presence, the cover of the cloud, the oil of the Holy Spirit, the fire of the Holy Spirit, the finger of God, the water, the living water of the Holy Spirit, the gentle dove of the Spirit, may he abide with you both now and forevermore. Amen.